Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. It is the post-Italian Grand Prix edition, and we are not here to talk about a Ferrari victory, nor a P2, but you best believe I'm happy we survived. Tommy, you're back once again celebrating a 10-race victory in a row for your boy, how does it feel to have all of my happiness? <laughs> yeah, it's obviously an incredible achievement, but what a race again. Really, really enjoyable. Um, I don't think there's a more polar opposite race to Zandvoort that was also really, really good. They couldn't be any more different, but for the second race in a row, we had a very enjoyable race, in my opinion, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Now, before we dive into our, our thoughts, we're going to share a five-star review, which we do occasionally. This one's from Giovanni Sagrande in the UK. And if you want yours to be read out, please leave us a five-star review while you love the podcast. And we may include it next time. So glad to have you guys in my ears and enjoy everything that you do. The podcasts are A-class and the energy you bring is through the roof. I love listening to each and every podcast and video you make. Keep up the great work, boys. Thank you, Giovanni. I know Thank Giovanni you. as well. I met, met him at our live show that we did uh, a few months ago in uh, Leicester Square. So big shout out to him. Twitch legend. Absolutely. Right. Let's get into our most memorable moments and begin with mine because it was the massive talking point in the race. That battle between Sainz and Leclerc. A battle that I think we were all convinced was going to end in one particular way, and that was a DNF for at least one of them. <laughs> How on earth they managed to race as aggressively as they did <clears throat> without at least one of them with two wheels is beyond me. The The amount of marginal close calls uh, were, were... There was a handful of them. Um, obviously, amazing to see those two go wheel to wheel. We've not really seen it that much since they've been teammates. And it was unbelievable. But from a, I suppose, a team perspective, my God, why were they allowed to do that for so long? <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll get into the team uh, side of things, um, which... Spoiler alert, going into it later, yeah, is idiotic, I think. But in terms of a fan point of view, what a treat because, oh my days, that was so, so good. I've watched it back so many times. I still can't believe, even though I know the result and it's already happened, I still watch it back going, they're going to crash. There was one particular moment where Charles goes up the inside, Science does the switch back, and Carlos gets the momentum coming into um, Curva Grande. And I have never seen a car that close to another car without contact. They must have. He must have rubbed the paint off the Pirelli tyre. It was so close. And I. This, this is the case for many of those moves. I cannot tell if it's perfect, precision, amazing skill or just a lot of fortune that they didn't crash. I, I still don't know the answer. People will say one thing, people will say the other. But from a fan perspective, it was absolutely effing brilliant. It was amazing. Loved it. It certainly was. I'm going to lean on the side of good fortune because I'm not sure how <laughs> you would be able to measure that with two drivers, two variables to 
across their wheels like that uh, as they were going side by side is, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's great driving involved, and that's the reason why they both didn't crash. Um, but it was definitely, like, if this was the line, they're about here, and they've, they've crossed it quite aggressively. Um, but yeah, they were very, very lucky indeed. Uh, Rachel Cornish 06 comes in with a question. How do you think the relationship between Sainz and Leclerc will be affected after this race? It's interesting uh, that Rachel's come in with this question because um, I haven't really thought of it in that way. Um, it's not as if... I know there was a, a call from Sainz for them to just bring, bring it home. And Ferrari did, in fact, relay a message to Charles saying no risks, to which he then responded with the largest dive bomb I've ever seen into turn one with both front, of, uh, front wheels locking up. I, I don't think it will be affected at all, to be honest with you, in my opinion. It's, um, they're, they're hard races. Carlos didn't seem too peeved with Charles, even in the, the, the podium sort of cool-down room. Um, they're both hard races. I think, if anything, it will... It's not going to affect their relationship, but I feel as though Carlos sort of got a little bit of a one-up on Charles uh, this weekend. It's a, a massive race for Ferrari. It's a massive race for these two. They both, as you could see, really, really wanted to be on the podium. And for Carlos to win out in that battle, I think will mean a lot for his confidence moving forward because he is getting that momentum. And yeah, Carlos was, was incredibly impressive. He was indeed. Yeah, I think Leclerc will be hurting a little bit deep down even though you know he'll he'll show the the respect to to Carlos and they'll they'll play kind of happy families I guess after the race and you know I don't I don't think their relationship will be affected mainly just because they didn't crash somehow um it'd obviously be very different if they did and I think that as soon as science uh, when science actually joined Ferrari I think there was a bit more close battling in 2021 and then of course it got to 2022 and Carlos was really struggling with that that car and Leclerc was was outperforming him massively um and we were surprised that we hadn't seen that battle because I think we were all thinking that those two they're definitely going to collide at least once and I can't believe we're you know a third season in and it still hasn't happened and that was the closest it came to but the fact they didn't uh, collide is a minor miracle and i think that means that the relationship will be fine but it is going to be a fascinating narrative how that evolves now we are seeing carlos put one over on uh, leclerc and how that will affect him um because yeah it's going to be maybe another it's not for obviously the fight for the win but it's going to be fascinating to see how that evolves because it is now clear that those two are incredibly evenly matched um we saw it in austria i think it was where it was like a role reversal wasn't it in austria where um carlos was hanging on to leclerc with the drs and maybe wasn't necessarily faster but the drs helped and then we saw equally the same happen here but role reversal so yeah they're going to be sharing a lot of the racetrack for the rest of the season i think and it could be spicy yeah i mean as a Charles Leclerc fan, I'm 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 a little bit concerned with with Charles' recent run of form uh, when it comes to his his raw speed, his raw pace. Because if you look at you know, the Italian Grand Prix that we've just had, he was I wouldn't say fortunate. Obviously, he's still driving, but he was dragged along um, 
by Sainz and Verstappen for that first stint and then dragged along when Perez went through and caught Sainz with the, the help of the slipstream and the DRS. It, he didn't have the raw pace that, that Carlos Sainz had this weekend. Like Carlos was leading that train and he was you know, fighting for his life to get, get that P3. I think he did chew up his tyres a little bit more with that defence. Um, but yeah, that innate speed is not something we potentially accustomed to Sainz in the last couple of years. But now... It's uh, it's really fascinating to watch, and perhaps if Ferrari get it a bit more right next year or, or whatever, then you know we we could be in for a very interesting battle. Although <laughs> I think Red Bull are are okay, maybe for the next year or two. Uh, next question: It's triple. Was Ferrari correct to allow both drivers to fight it out until the very end? It was amazing to watch, and for the sport, and for the sport, but surely way too risky. Thoughts. This is Ferrari all over. They, they have gone from a team that would not care about anyone and what they think. You know, Michael Schumacher, you are number one. Rubens Barrichello, you are his servant. You are number two. You will do whatever is necessary for the team and for Michael Schumacher. Get out the way. He will win. Even on the finish line if you're about yes. to win the race. Yeah. Now, Ferrari are like, no, Charles, um, you know, no, no risks, no risks there. And I'm not saying this from a fan perspective because I, well, I half enjoyed it. I half nearly died, but <laughs> there, there's from a Ferrari's perspective, if they both came together, I would be headless right now by the fact they didn't call it off. And especially because there was several laps of this chaos as well. What did they have to lose, uh, to, to gain, sorry, from those two fighting. Absolutely nothing. Neither of them are in the championship fight. Neither of them are really challenging, apart from themselves. I know they are sort of saying, ah, oh, they've got this equal driver status and they can race. But my God, if they'd both DNF'd from their home race and thrown away a podium, no one would have ever forgiven them. So it's, I, I also, my last point on this is if they were reversed and Leclerc was ahead of signs, I think they call it off. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, I think the fact that, I think they've got away with one here massively, because like we said, how we were saying through the whole battle, how have they not crashed? And if they had, the spice, you know, the 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 storylines would be insane. Instead, it's this wonderful battle that fans enjoyed at Monza. But as soon as Charles dived up the inside and they both went over the runoff, that was it. Game over. Caught, as a, As a obviously not as a fan, as a team principal. As Tommy, the team, the TP, the team principal. Yeah. Exactly. Every other team principal at that stage or team is basically being like hold position. You know, Carlos Sainz is ahead. He's done a brilliant job all weekend. His tyres are shot. You can argue that, you know, he got pole. He's had a brilliant race. He's fought hard and deserves a podium. So what have they got to gain? You know, it's it's not like a case where Charles can go through and then catch Perez. It was never going to happen. They they had a solid two three, sorry, a solid three four, and um, it just made no sense. Um, it's really hard to talk about because I absolutely adored it as a fan because it was so good. I think some of the best racing we've seen in a long time, and we've been starved of it. So I don't want to kind of dwell too much and sound like we're moaning about it because we're not. We just have to put ourselves in the team principal's shoes and go. What have you got to gain here? That was a bit stupid. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very surprised they didn't um, they didn't call it off. Uh, 
as soon as they had that one, as soon as they had that first sketchy moment, just get on the radio, be assertive. Every other team principal would have done that and said, you know, that's enough now. I wonder that's where it kind of highlights that Ferrari don't have the power or don't feel like they have the power to tell two very talented drivers to stand down and have the authority to actually make that happen. Because you do wonder whether, you know, with all the mistakes that they've made in the past and how they're not really offering a car that can win a world championship, whether they feel like, you know, these two drivers will, you know, if, if we really annoy one of them they might leave or we don't, or they we don't have keep a set number one either or, do they i don't i don't yeah. think you know it's weird because I, I i'm still of the opinion if it's the other way around i think ferrari are more assertive say carlos look we're gonna we're gonna hold position now or whatever whereas where carlos and may have carlos been would say, have gone jog stop on. inventing and send yeah it. or something like that so. <laughs> I, I think i think one thing is clear that regardless of i think this probably comes from the fact as well that the team orders were a little bit um it was a team order, but it wasn't like listen. It wasn't this an is, order, was it, it? It wasn't an order. It was you can fight, but don't be silly. Yeah, it, it wasn't an order. It was more just yeah, please don't crash. Uh, and it probably should have been an order. Um, so of course they were going to yeah. race each other because they're two uh, ag- very aggressive racers. And I think yeah, they really did get away with one there. Next question: You better leg it. Comes in with. Can Matt agree that Leclerc was massively in the wrong for making a super aggressive move on Sainz into Turn 1 on the final lap after being told to stop fighting? Almost cost himself, Sainz and the team the race. Well, first and foremost, they weren't told to stop fighting. I think that's you know what we've just mentioned. It's clear to see that they were just told to not take any risks. Carlos was on the phone trying to say for it to calm down and let's, you know, let's just let's just bring this home. But yes, I will absolutely hold my hands up as a Charles Leclerc fan and say that that move, that last lap move that he attempted to make was absolutely crazy. We we have seen how difficult it is to overtake into turn one. And Sainz was clear enough. Like that, that move was a, I'm going to try and scare Carlos off the track. I don't know what it was apart from it was crazy. That was... It was almost the level of slight desperation of trying to get on the podium ahead of your teammate and have that pride, that 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 one up that I that I mentioned. So, yes, I would agree. I I, th- I think it was it was very silly, and that could have ended in a massive crash for both of them. Um, thankfully, they didn't, and we don't have to dwell on it too much because we both loved it. You enjoyed it more than I did, I think, Tommy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a move that. I think Charles will look back on and perhaps even himself admit, yeah, that was maybe a bit a bit crazy. It was like watching the fact that he was thinking that Red Bull didn't exist and that was the move for the win or something. And of, of course, there there is pride involved uh, and all that. But yeah, it was maybe a very extreme move when you had to put in the circumstances of there was so much more to lose than there was to gain, you know. Makes that move. Okay, P3. Uh, it's obviously an amazing achievement at Monza. It's very exciting, but it's also a P3. Um, and then the other side of it is you slam into the back of Carlos, you know, Red Bull Baku style. And it's, I mean, I just imagine the the narrative and, you know, not, I don't think for the, the, the Defosi would have turned on Charles if he'd slammed into the back of it, but it would certainly be, you know, a, a checklist on his on his name. 
and there'd be all sorts of stories and it may be just a needless thing going into a, a week break to to have hang in the air. So it was hugely aggressive for not much gain, but then I'm fully aware that as a Max Verstappen fan, I can't beat him up too much because it's something that I applaud did Max Verstappen for, that he kind of takes it into his own hands and says, that's why he's a world champion and, you know, He's been there at Toro Rosso, kind of ignoring team orders from day one, going, no, I'm I'm the best and I'm going to win. And that's why he's so good now. So, yeah. And also, another point we haven't even mentioned is the fact that Ferrari are trying to get second in the constructors and Mercedes True. were having a slightly off day. There was plenty of reason to secure the 3-4 in that sense, uh, I would say. So I've kind of gone back on my previous saying that, you know, there wasn't much to gain. Uh, I mean, there is the fact of gaining points in the constructors. So if they'd have both crashed out there, you may as well have just said goodbye to any hopes of, of catching Mercedes in, in P2. So yes, that there could have been a lot so of points lost. Lose, wasn't there there really was with not much to gain apart from fun and entertainment for everyone that wasn't a Ferrari fan. <laughs> Next question, Del Regnozonoiso Sonia. What do you think about Ferrari's strategy? Could Ferrari have had a 2-3 if they had managed the pit stop time better, not allowing Checo to get close and not having both drivers on the same strategy? I'm not really of the opinion that they could have secured a 2-3 at all. I think Checo had enough uh, raw speed in that car to to catch, um, no matter what strategy they pulled off. I think when we were doing the Twitch watch along, this is more around Max Verstappen. We were going, oh, look, you know, Sainz has been passed. It's like lap, I don't even want, I can't remember exactly what type, like lap 15, lap 16. We were like, oh, you know, maybe they should pit. There's a few drivers that are coming into the pits now to go on hards. Maybe they should, you know, go aggressive and try and get track position back from Max. Um, but no, they didn't. And it was probably a good reason because Carlos's tyres were absolutely finished by the end of that race. So um, I, I don't see... I'm sure there are a few scenarios where Ferrari are able to secure a 2-3, but there's millions that would have had the same result. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you can beat up Ferrari too much on strategy for this race because they were the second fastest car and finished third and fourth. You know, the only thing that we'd maybe have a go at them for is not calling off the fight for sensible reasons. But in terms of their strategy, um, the Red Bulls were, were clear. And I think, if anything, Checo maybe made a bit of hard work of of passing science that should have maybe easily been gotten at that point because my word but both the ferraris at the end it was li literally like the track was wet i mean you had a, a it's like Jim Carner, it was, wasn't it they were just sliding around yeah. and the fact that you had was it magnuson i think just watching the whole fight uh in a tractor of a house managing to stick with them just showed how little pace they had at the end so yeah just yeah sorry i just you can't you literally just went, yeah. I was just like, so yeah. You've never done that before. <laughs> Sorry. You don't just drop me with a so yeah, but we're going to keep it in all the same because people want to see the raw beauty of P1 with Matt and Tommy. So yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> right, Tommy, let's hear your most memorable moment then, shall we? My most memorable moment was uh, Verstappen and Science's battle and Max getting past. And it's not just because I'm a Max Verstappen fan and was like, yay, he's passed. It was more the fact that it was actually just incredibly refreshing to watch what I would regard as a real overtake. Um, because DRS has its purpose. And I'm very conflicted because we have some races, particularly wet races, when obviously the DRS isn't there. 
and we pray for it because no one can overtake. But that race, it was so good, the fact that Verstappen couldn't just fly by in the DRS because the DRS isn't as powerful at Monza because they've already got quite skinny wings. And it was so good to see Max have to fight lap after lap after lap and defensive driving can actually be rewarded. You can have a skill rather than it just being you just defenseless as soon as another car has a DRS overtaken. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, that aspect. There was obviously the battle with Ferrari as well because you know if DRS was powerful, Sainz had no tyres left at the end. He would have been easily passed by Leclerc on the straight in DRS, but that wasn't the case. And it was really cool to see... Yeah, particularly Verstappen at the start, you know, he couldn't get past, but that's what made it exciting because it only it was only a mistake from Carlos that actually allowed Max to get a run on him. And then even then, they were side by side. It wasn't Max just breezing past everyone like we normally get. You got that brilliant moment round the outside of Curve Grande where they you had the onboard and you could see science just edging ahead. It was it was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's amazing because you, you you think on paper Monza, oh, you should get loads of overtakes. But the the thing is with the fact that there's, there's so much of the lap that's full throttle. I think it's like seventy five percent of the lap or something is full throttle. All the teams run such little downforce, which means there's a lot less drag, which then means the uh, the impact and the effectiveness of the DRS is less uh, because there's less less drag on the car. So with that. As you say, it was a perfect sort of advantage that you would get down the straight where you would be side by side going into the into the braking zone of turn one. Like they could be four tenths, I think Verstappen was at times behind uh signs, and same with Perez on on Leclerc, that they were four tenths behind with a massively long straight to go. And they could hardly get alongside. Obviously, some of that to do with how quick Ferrari were on the straights as well. But yeah, it was the perfect amount. Um and, and as you say, real overtakes, side by side driver skill rather than all right see you later mate yep cheers take care you've got 20 mile an hour on me you know see see you never so um yeah it was it was thrilling and uh and really enjoyable from a from a formula one fans perspective wasn't it to to see drivers actually having to jostle and jostle and 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 get their elbows out yeah definitely it's something that formula one i think that that's one thing that's made me really miss it because you know zandvoort which is quite quite insane. It was a really good race, but we had 186 overtakes, which is quite mad around Zandvoort. Um, but there were very few that really kind of took your breath away, whereas those ones, when it's two cars going side by side, it's just so much more um, enjoyable when you, when you see an overtake that's not DRS and that's not just kind of Boomer Tommy being like, oh, DRS is rubbish, because I don't think it is the case. Um it's just refreshing when we get to see other overtakes and it does make me wonder, you know, I, I do hope F1 maybe can learn from it and do something a bit different with DRS because I don't want it to be motorway overtakes all the time. It's a very difficult thing to get right, isn't it? Because we were saying in our Twitch watch along as well when we were, you know, on uh, Matt P1 Tommy, uh, where uh, we were chatting about, ah, you know, this is perfect because signs is the slower car but he's ahead. Max is the faster car, 
uh, and is behind and, and the DRS wasn't enough for him to be able to overtake. But you flip that around and you've got Max as the faster car and you've got Carlos as the slower car and he's only gaining three, four tenths in DRS. He's lost Max in a lap or two. So there's always going to be a, a disadvantage and a, and a, a down point for DRS. And uh, it's, it's really difficult to, to get it right at each track because I suppose even wind uh, direction can can affect how how powerful DRS is. You know, we've seen in, in years gone by, Baku, they've had enormous headwinds, and then you've seen them going about seven wide into turn one because the slipstream is so powerful. So I do I do feel a, a, a little bit for Formula One and the FIA to get it right, but um, but yeah, there are definitely examples of where that it needs to be tweaked more. Because we were saying as well about Monza and how the DRS seemed to be activated later than than what we've maybe seen in years gone by yeah and well this is this is why i still think push to pass is better than than drs because it's not always going to happen on the same straight or 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 be a motorway overtake um but that's a that's a debate for another podcast (laughs) not a a post-race one This episode is sponsored by Tennis Channel Plus. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May the 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Okay, let's talk about Max Verstappen then and a question from Dylan9142. Do you think Max will back down now that he has his record? Or do you think Max will win all eight races to end off the year? Sergio has to win at least one race, dot, dot, dot. No way. Nah, I think you've gone holiday. Max ain't backing down. Max is not <laughs> stopping. He will win the next 500 races if he can. He is a robot. He is a machine. He is Thanos. He will click and we will disappear. This is how Max Verstappen works. He wants to win. He wants to win comfortably. He doesn't care about any other teams catching him. He loves dominance. So if I was a betting man, would I bet on Max winning the last eight races? Probably. Am I going to? No. Because... <laughs> I probably will lose, but then if I lose, then it's good for the sport. I don't know. I, I haven't figured it out yet. But what I know is that Max will not let off. He will not do what we've maybe seen in, in previous champions gone by, where they just let off the steam a little bit. Oh, it doesn't matter so much. It's, 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 you can see it in the results from, from when other, other drivers have become champions, where they've, they've let a few wins slip by at the, at the end of the season. Not for Max. Nope, he'll want for the whole clean sweep for Red Bull now. Yeah. Uh, you said it in the last one that you know Max is the most, the best driver at dominating you've ever seen, and uh, this record of ten is just proof of that. You know, for for everyone that's gonna you know have these thousands of debates of who the best driver is and all that kind of say it's not saying that Max is the best driver ever, but give him a dominant car, and I don't think there's anyone better, and he's now proving that because at the end of the day. This is the first year where he's had a truly dominant car and minus two maybe moments of misfortune, he could have won every single race and could well easily go on to have, you wouldn't put him past having the greatest season that we've ever seen 
in the history of F1. And that car is not, of course, it's dominant. It's a dominant car in the hands of Max Verstappen. But the results of, you know, Perez, who is a good driver, um, he's not finished second every single race like we've seen in the past where, you know, Mercedes or Ferrari lapped the whole field. Uh, Max is just perfectly at one with that car and he's not going to have a, a day off. He'll want to keep... Uh, he doesn't even... It's not even that I think he cares about breaking records because I genuinely believe that he doesn't really bother him that much. He just wants to win and he enjoys winning um, because that's what... He said this before, you know, that's what he's worked his whole career to do. Um you know, at 25 years old, it's not taken him very long to <laughs> achieve uh, where he's got to. Um, but look, this is a guy that wouldn't even give Sergio Perez a fifth or sixth place or whatever it was in, in Brazil uh, when he'd already wrapped up the championship. So he's not going to give um, kind of charity victories to people when he can carry on just uh, being superb and just winning constant races um yeah what more is there is there to say i know it's difficult to because some people complain that we don't mention it enough some people complain that we mention it too much because obviously he's winning all the time so what more can you say but um just echoing what you said in the in the nine victories can be said again that you know it has to be commended because it's insane what what he's doing and he's making it look so easy really he doesn't have a doff, an off day. He's a savage. He's got killer instinct. He's everything a Formula One world champion is meant to be in in the sense of the, uh, the greatest uh, uh, drivers that we've ever seen. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I I fear how long he might go uh, with this streak, especially when reliability seems pretty bulletproof in Formula One at the moment. You don't see many uh, failures these days. Sorry, Yuki. Um, but in terms of the top teams, you, you don't really see any of them uh, breaking down, at least this year. Next question, Sam Dougie Douglas. Is a five-second penalty harsh enough as it made no difference to George or Lewis? Oh, we're back at we this debate. <laughs> oh, why don't penalties affect people more? Okay, so is it harsh enough? Yes, because what happened is that it was for Lewis Hamilton... He turned in a little bit too much, caused a collision. Unfortunately for Piastri, he had to change his wing and it affected his race. Should Lewis Hamilton receive a penalty that is the amount of time that Oscar Piastri has lost? No, because that would become absolute carnage. Hamilton did not mean to have contact with Oscar Piastri. It's not like it was malicious or there was intent there. Because how would he have, like, if he had turned in, he could have easily been the one spearing into the wall with that kind of contact. But it wasn't. It was Oscar that, that was unfortunately um, uh, hindered there. George Russell, he went across the, 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 the first chicane, wasn't even really battling Ocon. But still, it's a penalty because he broke the rules and he, he gained an advantage. But that's a five-second penalty. We can't be giving out 10 or drive-throughs just because they have a better car than other drivers that they're facing. It would just open a complete can of worms. It would be so hard to police. So it has to be blanket for everyone, no matter how quick or slow you are. Exactly. You, you can't just give a penal, a harsher penalty for quicker cars because they've got an advantage. Um, it's like saying, oh, well, oh, the Haas has broken the rule there and he's fighting someone that he shouldn't be. Let's give him a half a second penalty because, uh, because you know, it's, it's relative. It, it, it just wouldn't work. 
yeah, unless you're swapping positions, but but they do they have done that in the past where you know if you overtake someone you have to let them back through. I think that's the that's the way it counteracts maybe someone dive bombing someone and going ah. Oh, Actually, it's quicker for me to dive up the inside, maybe get a bit of contact, take a five-second penalty, and I'm through, and then I can pull away. Um, they counter that by doing the whole thing where they say, you know, you have to let them back through if you both skip over the chicane or whatever. But, yeah, um, th- those penalties, you know, they've not they've not done it deliberately. Uh, they're mistakes that they've made. They've been punished, and that's it. You know, it's a the the Hamilton incident in particular it's a five second penalty all day long and he knows that but you can't just go oh he's affected this driver and actually he's got this big lead so that's just the way the the cookie crumbles um because we're watching it in the the watch along and I was going actually this isn't going to affect Hamilton because he's got pace now and he can pull away and he's on fresher tires but he's not gone out to Biff uh, Piastri off the road to to gain an advantage. It's just a, a mistake that he's made. He's got a deserving penalty for it, and then he's got on with his race. So, yeah, uh, this, and it equalizes, this, doesn't it? As well, yeah, it like, does. Yeah. You know, this all happened the other way, and Oscar Piastri will accidentally smash into someone, get a five second penalty, and he'll was carry it Carlos on getting a five second penalty where he was incredibly unfortunate, where there was a safety car at the end of the race, so he actually drops back loads of places. But and I think just, we even had a question going, is five seconds too harsh for Carlos Sainz? Exactly. Because so it works. And one, one time you'll be on the good end of it, one time you'll be on the bad end of it. You certainly will. Question from Max de Class: Is Albon the second best driver of the season? No. <laughs> Fernando. Let's, let's not touch the top three, shall we? Let's not touch Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton as the top three. Yeah. He can slot in at fourth potentially if he keeps this up but let's not let recency bias affect us too drastically we have to look at the season as a whole that's why we did our mid-season driver ratings where we average out all of the grades that we have over the course of the season we'll do the same for the whole season when we get to the end of Abu Dhabi but that's you know no disrespect to Albon he is right up there and I think he is he has been one of the best drivers of the season I don't think he eclipses the top three uh, but He's really good at performing in a in a car and a team where there's much less expectation than perhaps when we saw him go to Red Bull. If he goes to a top team again or if he stays with Williams and they become a top team, is there something that changes in him slightly? We will find out. In my opinion, it was just too early for Albon to get that big seat originally and he's showing that he has got the, the skills and the capability and if the team's around him and they've got the right resources and what he needs... He can deliver as a number one driver. Uh, so, yeah, thoroughly impressed by Albon again uh, this weekend. And I'm glad that our biggest flop didn't come true. Yeah, me too, because Williams did a good job. Not saying Albon is not performing absolutely brilliantly, because he definitely is, and he's doing a really good job. But that Williams is a good car now, I think. Um, it's not great, but it's good. And, you know, he's got a teammate in Logan Sargent that, Personally, I didn't rate him before he came into Formula One um, and hasn't been particularly spectacular. So it is hard to judge 
how good he is versus how good that Williams is. But I don't think for a second that he's not doing a fantastic job. Um, and it's great for him because he has suddenly gone from this not worst driver on the grid, but everyone going, oh, Albon's absolutely useless. Look what he's doing against Verstappen to now being one of the the favourites in the driver market when we finally have a driver market next season because it's not going to happen this season. But uh, yeah, Albon's doing a a very good job, but uh, he's no no Fernando to answer that question. I mean, he could never be. (laughs) He he could have won every race this season. You'd be like, no, Fernando. Fernando's the GOAT, absolutely. Even even Verstappen won't beat Alonso, hey? Uh, So far in his career, no. Oh my God! He's just—he's just broken a record we never thought would be beaten, and you're like, no, Alonso's still clear. Verstappen, L. Alonso is my my goat for now. Was we'll, we'll okay. Find yeah, you are deluded. I like to see it. <laughs> Let's now go to biggest winner, which can be a driver or team. Ooh, who is the biggest? winner i mean in some ways i want to say ferrari just purely because both cars finished um ferrari because they survived the biggest winner is the team principal for not calling it off and getting away with one i think yeah literally got Um, away with uh with the entertainment button i'm gonna go and lock in biggest winner carlos signs purely for the reasons that i said uh previously getting pole position no easy feat to beat Charles Leclerc in qualifying, but he's he's doing that. And again, to carry that into the race and to show better pace uh, than Charles this weekend, to fight the way he did. It was unlucky with that small mistake. And I do feel for him, but he was giving it absolutely everything. So for me, biggest winner. Yeah, other than Max Verstappen winning, obviously winning, and that's just standard these days. In terms of like, really good performances i think carlos is probably the only one that really stood out where you're like albon yeah albon as as well but yeah i think maybe no i don't think he could have beaten hamilton actually but that is probably where where that car is maybe on a track like uh track like that so i think carlos just for like you say getting one up on on Charles and it's a run of two races in a row where feels like Carlos has got the absolute most out of that car and had a really, uh, really, really good drive. So and also, well done, Carlos. I don't want to let this slip by, and I know we'll dive into it more probably in driver ratings, but George Russell had a, a very good weekend in comparison True. to Lewis Hamilton, beat him by nearly 20 seconds. Hamilton, of course, having a, a difficult qualifying, going onto the hard tyres, which I don't think was the right strategy. But it's still, George has had a, a very quiet race, P5. And I'm not saying he's biggest winner, winner, but he deserves a, a small little honourable mention, I think. Yeah, that's that's a fair comment. I think the fact that George did so well alongside Hamilton uh, last year and then maybe not so much this year, it's almost like not a huge surprise. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of it has flown under the radar a bit. That he's had a, a good weekend when I think Hamilton has had the better of him all the year, and I think this is a race where George, well, was definitely the better Mercedes driver, no doubt. And well done, Bottas, for getting a point. We have to shout him out as well. Yeah. Well well deserved, and glad that very, very tasty-looking Alfa Romeo has a yeah, point. Yeah, got a point. Hell yeah. Uh, biggest loser now? Alpine. Alpine. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Embarrassing. Very embarrassing to to basically have the whole engine debacle of feeling like they they don't have an engine to to compete, and then coming to Monza and essentially having like an F two car in, on a straight line. So I tell you yeah. what, a very close second is Haas. Both of them are lapped down in seventeenth and eighteenth, the last of the finishers. When the field is so close, you don't. We don't see cars getting lapped as much as we used to these days, do we? Uh, even though, you know, we're we're kind of talking about the most dominant season of all time. Don't feel like Max particularly laps cars. It's just because it the field is actually like quite fifth close. place, like yeah, Mercedes did. Exactly. So, um, yeah, Hassa Hassa useless, but I guess that's almost not surprising. Whereas Alpine are, yeah, I guess it was a. A bit of a surprise, even though we should have seen it coming with the fact that their straight line speed is woeful. But yeah, uh, I didn't I didn't expect it to be this bad. No, me neither. And I, I know we're only having one biggest loser, which we're both locking in Alpine, but a small third biggest loser going to Lance Stroll, 41 seconds off his teammate Fernando Alonso and finishing a whopping 16th position. That is uh, going to hurt. Right, now let's now reflect on our predictions that we made on Wednesday and see how we did. Biggest good surprise. I think we're both in for points here. Let's see. I've gone for Charles Leclerc. No. Which... Rare, rarely kind of has Charles had been behind science. I don't think you can... Off the back claim. of a DNF. Bounces <laughs> it back <laughs> to P4. Loophole. I think this has to go... Bounces it to, back to P4. Open to uh, the comments again, but I, no. I don't personally mm. think so. Oh, but I think Carlos Sainz's performance was incredible, right? Is that what we're saying that? We're saying yeah, Carlos yeah. was incredible this weekend. Charles was there. Charles almost pushed him across the line. <laughs> I think both the Ferraris were surprising this weekend to finish third and fourth. I think yeah, we're, 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 lock it, we're locking in to teammate versus teammate here. Why can't they both be good surprises? Uh, they can't. That's not... I'm not saying they can't be, but I, I think because people expect Leclerc... To have, the way the form's gone for so long, people expect Leclerc to be ahead of science that maybe I was. I would argue I was, recent form. Recent form has been in science's okay, favour. We'll, we'll hand it We've, to the comments. Get in the comments. Oh, God. No, because I know what the comments will say. They're always on your side, Tommy. <laughs> right, let's, let, we'll find out. We'll look to the comments and see. Uh, but I'll give, I'll give myself zero points for now. Uh, and yours, Tommy, was science, which uh, no, no chance. Didn't even win the race. Surprise. Didn't even convert pole. pole. Didn't pole convert pole. Podium. Yeah, washed, washed race. Locked up, lost, lost the lead. <laughs> no, well done, you got a point. Congratulations. Biggest flop, we both went for Alex Albon. We sure did. Back, back to science just very quickly. Mm. I think no one can say that there's any P1 curse because I think Carlos Sainz has formed since we did a podcast with him. It's been unbelievable. So You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I think all of our powers went to Daniel Ricciardo, though, unfortunately, uh, which uh, we hope he's getting uh, recovered recovered very quickly yeah. and uh, and back maybe for Singapore, but I doubt it. Probably Qatar, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, okay, uh, biggest flop, Alex Albon for both of us. That's a whopping nope. zero points. Oh, God, why did I go for the easy points for pole position and it didn't happen for either of us again? Max Verstappen be minus points but it does make a difference because we both went for him 
Yeah, well, I need to, I need to close some points. I think I'm 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 falling behind with your stupid strategy you've had all year, and now you're <laughs> having some worldy predictions. It's yeah. it's really annoying me. Uh, my top three was Verstappen, Norris, Leclerc. So that's one point. And my top three was Verstappen, oh, Perez, Science. Which, oh, that's a rare. Red that's Tommy a big w. w. That's a big W from you. You should have put some money on that. That's three uh, points three. for your top three. I actually rarely, this rarely happens because I notice people do this a lot where they're like, when we do our predictions pre-race, obviously we make these ones on Wednesday or Thursday, sometimes even Tuesday. And then when we actually have watched qualifying, we do our usual top five and we get people in the comments like, you said Albon was going to be the biggest flop, but you've put him third. It's like, well, yeah, now we know the form. And rare, this is a rare thing for me that I actually did the same top three in that as well and got it correct. So I stuck with Verstappen Parasites all weekend. I obviously just knew knew it somehow. Yeah, big Wommy Wellingham right there. <laughs> Impressive stuff. <laughs> we now go to our one crazy prediction. I went for an altercation between two drivers after a collision. Right, hear me Ferrari out. Ferrari tried. <laughs> hear me out. I know. Oh, my God. That that could have been a small consolation prize. However, I'm going to say... Can we just, actually, before you say that, can we just on. imagine if it had been the two Ferrari drivers and how backfired that prediction would have gone? Yeah, I, I would have happily not taken the point and yeah. uh, let it be how it is. Uh, right, Piastri and Hamilton. They collided and Hamilton came over to Oscar Piastri's car and shook his hand. I'm going to say that's an altercation. <laughs> I'm locking in an altercation. His hand. Because we don't know what he said. Aggressively shook his it, hand. He might have said under his breath, you're washed. Uh, you don't know. Uh, but that's no, fine. Zero points. I can see Hamilton saying that. He definitely uses the phrase washed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I said Alpha Tauri gets a point, which uh, kind of went... Uh, obliterated immediately when Yuki Tsunoda just decided not to take part in the race. Liam finished 11th. He did a very good job. So it was very close, but I needed more DNFs and we don't get that these days. Okay, fans, crazy predictions now. Uh, Pfizer car said Alex Albon gets a podium. Uh, no. That bloke 83, at least five cars will DNF for any reason. Nope. Nope. And Lobsy F1, Monza Curse continues, Oscar first win. That's a big fat zero for the listeners. So uh, unfortunate for you. Come back next time stronger. And maybe Tommy will also not pick some absolutely wild predictions like Alex Albon on the podium and Oscar winning a race. I know, but just think when it finally happens, how good they'll be. But Monza Curse did not hit. It tried to. Um, yeah, Max's to car know. right at the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Probably in driver ratings, we'll know a little bit more maybe about what happened there and how serious it was, but not not saying it wasn't a real problem, but it reminds me of that kind of Sebastian Vettel era where they always seem to have this, oh, we were, we're nursing a problem. Uh, and It's almost like, oh, we're, we're, we're destroying records every week, but we only won by six seconds ahead it. of Perez yeah. and then a little bit further to the Ferrari drivers. Look at it. Look, it's on, it's on this piece of paper. I feel like there's, there's maybe something there, but um, yeah, yeah, we'll interesting. See. Well, speaking of driver ratings, we will be doing that tomorrow. So uh, be sure to check that out. Tom Bellingham, what are your final thoughts? Final thoughts are that now Max Verstappen has got the record. I'll allow someone else to win now. Oh, thank you. Will you now? 
Well, my final thoughts are jog on. We don't need your permission. We're coming for it anyway, whether you like it or not. Ferrari dub in Singapore, which is definitely a track that's going to suit the Ferrari, is Singapore. By the way, me saying I'll allow someone else to win, I only mean Fernando Alonso. Okay. Just for the record. Yeah, to be fair. Come on. Uh, Well, how many races have we got left now? How many have we got to go? Uh, Eight. Eight races to go. I will say right now, okay? Listen up, everyone. If we get to Brazil three races out and Red Bull have won every single race up until then, I will f- become a fully-fledged Red Bull supporter to, for them to get the clean sweep because that would be quite some doing. It would be, actually. And to be fair, Red Bull fans are now like... Don't you dare come anywhere near my team <laughs> and legitimately support Red Bull because we know what you can do. Yeah, Matt, Matt will be there with six Red Bull hats, five Red Bull backpacks and uh, on the Twitch stream <laughs> doing everything you can. But legitimately cheering them on, that's the problem because I've worn that to jinx them so I don't know what I'd actually wear anyway. Mm. Maybe I'll just wear Ferrari gear, I don't know. Who knows, we'll figure that one out. But thank you everybody, see you very soon for driver ratings and all other lots of content including an interview with Daniel Ricciardo and another interview with Carlos Sainz. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're here and uh, leave lots of love. Bye! Bye. P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.